oat milk mm. into a pot, bring it to a boil, add the oats, turn it down to a like a little higher a little than simmer. a simmer, okay. and then you just let her go. Do you add any other seasonings or um, stuffs? So on the weekend, I'll add cinnamon, walnuts, or pecans. Sure. And maybe a little bit of maple syrup or honey. It's like super you, yummy. I super feel like yummy. you need like just like a little bit of sweetness with oatmeal. Well, you, you by you itself, either, it's just kind of like nothing. You can either go sweet or savory. So you True. can also do something like avocado. Kind of a grits or, thing too, you know, with with yeah. Which I feel like corn. I mean, corn has a little bit more sweetness, but like pe- plenty of people will put sugar in their grits. Mm-hmm. Other people are just like very like salt butter kind of people. Yeah, even if you just put salt in oatmeal, it's it's pretty yummy, especially. Mm. If you if you just use just bulk steel cut oats mm-hmm. and oat milk, sure, it ends up really nice and creamy. It's kind of like mm. oat on oat on oat. That's mm-hmm. interesting to me. And now I might be going to buy oat milk for this exact thing. It's it's you it is thinking. the way to go. Okay, by by far. By got far. it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, or at least I think so. My kids are obsessed with what's essentially an oatmeal cake. Um, I don't partake because it legit is like a cupcake with oat, of oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Um, they call it an oatmeal muffin. I'm not really sure what it would really be called. So all these all these food companies, they pull a fast one by putting things like oatmeal or quinoa into things. And they call it like a quinoa power bite. But then you look at the ingredients, you're like, oh, okay. It's a candy bar. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is straight up nonsense in a healthy healthy set of clothes and i am seeing right through it but well, most people don't like, don't look at the uh those ingredient. gold metal gold metal ones right or you know what i'm talking about like you they're for they kind of advertise them as for like runners or cyclists where it's like they can kind of reach in their pack and eat it while they're going yes but th- if you eat it in regular life it's just kind of a candy that's bar. that's it yeah so if you yeah, if you're running 10 miles a day and burning 2000 calories in the morning sure yeah eat some of that stuff but if you're not it's yeah, it's basically just straight up candy because mm-hmm. when you're running, running long distances, you want just you, you want energy that you can your body can break down really quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. So it is sometimes just straight sugar. Well, it's like the, the Stroop waffle. Yeah, those thing. are so good. They're really good oh, when I run. Oh. But it's kind of a weird thing to just eat. Yeah. Like you're saying, like it really needs to be. I need the fuel that this comes with and it's going to be a treat to eat while I'm running. Yes. Yeah. But then it gets. <laughs> There's when you start to get into the real long distance stuff, it's not fun to eat anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's just like filling your car up over and over again. Yeah. It's not fun to stop at the gas station anymore. No, no, it's it's not a good time. What's what's the what's your longest like recent run? Have you done a mar- have you done a marathon distance since like Boston? No, no, yeah, okay. You just kind of stuck to the shorter one. Yeah, because I've been trying to get my legs in good working mm-hmm. order. I've had a problem with my knee for a long time. So I'll typically on the weekends do, I've been doing 13, 15 miles. Oh, okay. Yeah. One one day on the weekend, I'll do a long run and then I'll do a workout and a short run the other day. When you do those longer ones, do you find that like at a certain point, there's not a lot of distance, no, there's not a lot of difference for you between like what it takes to do nine and what it takes to do 13? Yeah, nine and thirteens, it's a pretty equivalent. Mm. It's not a whole lot different. When I did, I did the uh, Nashville half a couple years ago, and 
that was like the biggest piece of advice where it's like, if you're hitting nine, like, don't even worry about it. Like, don't like try to make yourself go do 13. So you no. know for sure. It was like, if you're hitting nine at like your normal, whatever, he's like, don't even waste your time going. No, if you can run you know, three or four miles, you're like, going to you're you're gonna be just fine for a half marathon because yeah. you have to run a half marathon. It's like three hours. You can walk 13 miles in three hours. So, you, so even if you walk the whole thing, you're still good to go in theory. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think people, they make it into, it, it is a big deal, but they make it into this bigger deal than it really is. But that's coming from a guy that runs every day. So my perspective's a little flawed. Well, if you if you ran zero times in a year, a half marathon would look really big. Really big. Yes. Yeah, but I think people discount what they're actually what their bodies real, are really capable of. Mm-hmm. So unless you're super un, unhealthy, your body's pretty still pretty capable mm-hmm. at the end of the day. But they've never really pushed themselves physically before, so they just don't know where it's at. Well, they but don't really you do understand marathon, the degrees of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But once you do a marathon, you're like, okay, cool. So then the next marathon, you're like, well, I've done this before. I, I kind of know what it feels like. Yeah, and yeah. it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but okay. We, we know we can do this, so great. I heard, I got similar advice um, about the Appalachian Trail mm. where like in my brain, I'm like, it's just like unbelievable. I can't even imagine. Like I've done really long hiking weekends before. They're like three days and I'm like, man, imagine doing that for six months or however not six months but like it takes a while to it's do a, it's months yeah uh, months for sure and talking to somebody who'd done it before they said can you if you just feel good about like a three to four day um like hiking weekend it's just that over and over again yeah like you kind of have to you have to take a rest day you know on whatever it is your fourth day when you get to the next town because you have need all these new supplies whatever else he's like but you, you don't pack for six months you're packing for like three days mm-hmm. over and over and over again well, like oh that's weird but i but when you break it down to me like that's similar to what you're talking about like with these long distances you know if if you're you're not saying man i need to learn how to run 13 miles i need to learn how to run 26 miles like well there's plenty of other like degrees to get there mm-hmm. um that's not just until i can run 26.2 i'll never have the ability to run run a marathon that's just well, really how that is Boston was a good example the longest i'd run in the three or four months previous to Boston was five miles. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I did one five mile run, maybe one six mile, because I didn't want to injure myself. Oh, and you're very, you're very committed to like that four mile. Yeah, but I was doing a few miles every day. Mm-hmm. If you're yeah. consistent, your body's like, okay, yeah, I I know what's going on here. So, or if you're hiking every day, your body at you know day four, day six, day it's not stoked necessarily. But it starts to adapt to. Oh, okay. So well, we're really we're doing this again to, today. Yeah, it knows Great. how to, to refuel and to rebuild like those muscles. Yeah, yeah. We're just in such a sedentary lifestyle in 2022 that we forget that we're walking around the super capable machine. <laughs> but you put it into those applications, and you start to realize, whoa, it figures it out pretty quick. This is pretty cool, man. But you have to. Because it's 2022 and we live so comfortably, you have to manufacture those situations. You have to create it artificially. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen on its own day to day anymore. We're not chasing our calories. Well, yeah, it's like the people who say every year um, I'm going to do something crazy and like you know they they swim from Alcatraz back to the shore or like just this it's kind a of great crazy one. thing. Yeah, there's no reason to do it, but if you want to put pedal to the metal for a little bit, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's why I like to have one one thing on the calendar to. Like I had two this year, you know, one every six months. That's pretty, pretty spooky because it keeps you sharp 
And then it puts you into a place. It's like, whoa, I actually did that. That's pretty crazy. Or you completely fail. Like the last really long race I tried, mm-hmm. the first one, the last one. Yeah. And it's very humbling. And then you come back on the next one. You're like, okay, good. I've learned some lessons. Now we're going to go apply those lessons to this next try and see how it goes. You're going to to Utah soonish, right? For for that. Yeah, September, beginning of September, first Oof. Mm-hmm. I feel honestly, I, feel, I mean, I didn't even go, but I feel like the last one was pretty recently, and that's will have been six months. The last time we were there? No, but when you did uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy how time is moving quickly. I was thinking this uh, a year ago, we were trying to scramble to move everything in the office. That was it. Shoot. Because we, di- we didn't know when we would get in, but it was like right around now, probably. Yeah, right around now. We were moving furniture mm-hmm. in and plants and it was move in time. Wow. This, this time last year. And then we had our company meeting. In a few days from now, a year ago. Do you refer this to, to refer to this space as like new office, like our the new office space, or is it? It's just the office. Maybe it's still the new office. I have no perception of time right now, mm-hmm. so I'll have to remind myself. Well, that was a year ago. Huh? That's pretty wild. It's all just the past four years has, has become this enormous blob, mm-hmm. and I have to reference typically. I reference the photos on my phone. Like, oh, wow, that was a year ago. That's okay. the quickest way yeah. to establish the timeline. But right now, it's I don't know what happened even three months ago. Mm-mm. That's nuts. Well, a lot going on. It's yeah. the, the travel is yeah. what does it. The travel just completely obliterates all sense of time and timeline and well, normality. It's, it's kind of a time machine because y- your home like responsibilities get paused but nobody else's do yes so you get home and like everybody else has lived five days yeah your your responsibility in your life at home has not progressed in those five days in the way that everyone else's has so you get i feel like yeah that if you do that over and over again like that's gonna feel weird time is not gonna be what it is well the trip i just got off on it was like 10 days i water my plants before i go and then i come home and my plants are looking a little dry. And I'm thinking, I just watered the damn plants. Yeah. What the hell's going on? And I'm like, oh, I didn't just water the plants, actually, because I was in this time machine that sent me to California and Montana for 10 days. And here I am again in Tennessee. I took, uh, I was out of town for the July 4th week. My kids, like, school was closed. So we had to, like, find a thing to do. And even though I was mostly off, I still, when I came back, was like, why did so much shit happen? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it was just a normal week. But because I'm not like fielding each thing at the time it happens and like processing it to where it goes, yeah. all of a sudden it's like, what? Where did all this stuff come from? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just you know how it works. Yeah, I'm, I'm to the point. I need a week. I need a week to chill. You've got one coming up, right? Or sort of. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to wrap up the stupid, not stupid, but the whole investment process, which is <laughs> it's so stupid. It's going to last. I don't know yeah. at this point to 2025. Uh, but I, 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 until that's done, I can't do anything. But I know I'm kind, <laughs> I'm kind of at the limit right now. It's like I really just need a week to sit around and think and process a lot of stuff. But I, even if I took the week off, I'd be so consumed mentally by the investment, like I did, like what happened in Colorado, yeah. that it's it's not time off. It's just it's not real working break. somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, it's like wow, so good. I'm working somewhere else. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not a okay. break. Great. Yeah, I, I get a nice run in the morning, but other than that, it's, it's pretty similar to what I'd be doing at home. Um, when you're talking about 
like taking that break um and maybe think so i went to the uh nashville soccer club game yesterday at the new stadium oh wow it's gorgeous by the way yeah it is very very cool um and they were losing like in the last you know couple minutes or whatever and they pulled who is sent one of their best players mm-hmm. though they really if they scored another goal it'd be tied and i was thinking about just like all of the uh metaphors and analogies that can be drawn from like pulling your best guy because he's like he doesn't have the legs anymore like for and so i think that they're i kind of think about that sometimes for you where it's like obviously you lead this organization and there's like a lot of these things on your shoulders but like at some point there's diminishing returns for you with your like attention on all the things you have your attention on that like at some point you have to refuel that kind of yes but also i think there's a lot of misconceptions to taking breaks and and resting and all of that like you can't just obliterate yourself physically like you can't just sleep i can't sleep three hours a night like if i don't get sleep multiple nights in a row it it takes it's, it's not a good thing yeah but that's the like i don't know with anybody that's ever accomplished anything significant that's one of the common themes is they just show up every single day it doesn't matter if they they want to do it or not it doesn't matter if they're excited to do it it doesn't matter if they they feel like it they do it anyway and so there's part of me that's like, I need to manage my physical mental state so it's not in a bad place, which I don't think it is right now. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it's, hey, you're wanting to take a break? Tough shit. You can't take a you break. Can't. You got to send it, bud. And that's just the reality. And, and the, the struggle for me is there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of people that live in that world by, by, by their choice. Like, mm-hmm. I, honestly, it's, it's super unsustainable where i'm at right now uh but that's just what it takes at the same time it's a weird it's a weird balance of actually truly knowing when you're pushing a little too far or when you're just pushing further than you've been before Mm -hmm. like we were just talking about running it's wow this really hurts yeah it's supposed to hurt you dummy because you're just you're going into a, a place you've never been before but that's the point you have to go there to figure out oh okay yeah this is how it feels but i feel like everybody there's a there's a lot of talk about you know taking time off and resting and so on and so forth from but I don't hear that from from the people that have done incredible things yeah and so that's the that's just the the constant bouncing back and forth in my head of do I need to chill right now or am I just being a little bitch do I need to keep going sure I do I, I like I like that point I think what is interesting though is you are like making um i don't want to call it micro rest but i to me i think it's about like whatever you're doing has to there has to be something in your life that is restorative to you because like you you can't just pour out until forever something has to be filling that tank back up yes and so like i think why a lot of it like you say it's not sustainable like it's true but it's also a choice you're making right now that is not a choice you would make 100% of the time for the rest of your life. Yeah, but but people people project their work situation onto me a lot of times I've realized doing what I do working isn't isn't draining for me. Well, that's and I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sap sap me like it does everybody else. So everybody else has to go spend their Saturday and Sunday 
taking a break from their life Monday through Friday. And it's like, I, I don't, that's not how it is for me. It's exhausting, but I am barking up the exact right tree I'm supposed to be barking up. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to escape from this. Um, but it just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how to really explain it. It's, it's a weird deal. Well, but I, th- but I think that's, you're, you're speaking into my point of even if, you know, like you're saying, there's just not an opportunity to quote unquote rest right now. The, th- the things that you're doing are not only not like bringing you out too much, but you also get like restorative energy from, you know, spend so much time in the field and like meeting who you're meeting. That, that those are not things that just those are not negative activities for you. No, you're like, like, you're you're getting sustaining things from those. Yeah, we, we, we like we DC excavation last week. We I sit out in the skid steer. I was like it was like seven p.m. It's still brighter than shit out. I'm like I need to go just sit in the skid steer for a little bit. So I just sat in the skid steer for an hour or two in the evening. That's that's all I need. Yeah. Or this weekend I get off this trip. I'm exhausted. I haven't slept nearly as much as I needed to that week. I slept probably 10 hours last night, 10 hours the night before. So I'm not going off and fucking off on Saturday night because I know I need to go sleep 10 hours so that I can perform this week. Well, those are those little micro rest things. It's like, even if you're not able to like take a week because of the other stuff that's going on, you're like, well, if I take care of myself in these ways day to day, that makes the the longer thing you're working towards more sustainable and more attainable based on like you're just day to day, like you're saying, to send it, have to send it every day. Yeah. And I don't come at any of this from, you should do this. It's just, this is what I do. This is what you do. Yeah, this is, yeah. And this just work, mm-hmm. works for me. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, thanks for talking about that a little bit. I have a topic for us today. Mm. And I had a question about this a couple weeks ago. I'm like, hmm, how do we like talk about this? And then someone else reached out literally saying, hey, can you just talk about this topic? I was like, okay, well, and I guess I'm just going to say it and we'll just start. So the topic for today is, and then the music comes in from Harrison. Interns. So we're doing topics for the Dirt Talk podcast too. Mm-hmm. Just Great. to clean up this, this front section a little bit. I feel mm-hmm. good about it. So um, when you were in college, did you do any construction internships or was it like how how are those structured for you? Let's say just from your perspective. Technically, it's all an internship when you're in college. I worked my first summer before college in the field, so technically that wasn't. And then when I was a freshman, I got a job in the office in the safety department and helping with estimating as well uh, during the week, like one day a week. It was eight ten hours a week. Mm-hmm. Transitioned to working out in the field again because I did not want to sit in the office yeah. all summer for full time. There was no way in hell I was able to do that. So I said, put me back out in the field with the pipe crew. So I went back out in the field with the pipe crew. And then I was given the advice that I needed to dress up my resume a little bit, get out of the field. If I was going to be in some kind of management after school, I needed to go learn how to manage a project. Yep. So that's when I got two, actually three more formal internships. After my two years in the field with two different companies, I went to work as a field engineer intern for Skanska. I was an intern at Hayden Building Corp in the office doing pre-construction takeoffs, Mm -hmm. estimating. And then I was a field engineer intern for Kiwit. Why? 
Are so, internships in college or something I actually know a little bit about? Sure. You had, you had one or two. Yes. What is the value that, well, maybe before I go in, did you get paid for all of those? Yes. Okay. That's a great thing about construction. All these other industries, they have these unpaid internships. And I'm sitting around like, that's the stupidest I thing in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get unpaid to do your time. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, screw you, dude. Not only is it to- unpaid, that you get college credit for it, which means you paid for it. Yeah. So well, you. And then they treat you like garbage or whatever it yeah. is. That's, that's going away. Construction, I was making a shitload of money. I was making a ridiculous amount of money. I was making more than the people I reported to because I was hourly. They were salary. Oh, funny. So I was working the ridiculous hours they were, but they're locked in. And you don't have any time to spend your money. I had nowhere to spend my money. No. And then I was getting subsistence every day. I was getting mileage on my Toyota Camry. So I was just raking in the money every summer. Mm -hmm. I was making a killing in college, which is why I ended up with so much money out of college. Because I'd, I'd worked so many hours while I was in school that I was good to go. Did you ever work like during like semesters at all? Yeah. Okay. I, my junior, senior year, I did about 20 hours a week. Okay. So in the estimating office. So that's what like these kids are. Oh, I'm too busy to work during the school year. Get the hell out of here. I was in engineering school. Engineering school it requires is, a little time, <laughs> a little homework. And I'm not saying it wasn't like it's not the hardest in the world, but that's one of the harder degrees you can go get in college. Yeah. And I would, to prove the point, you know, I would sit in engineering classes and then I'd go to business classes and it's like, holy shit, people actually just do this for four years. I screwed up. I should have done this because you, know, you just, you just show up and you're good to go. Um, not, not, uh, not to diminish business school, but it's, uh, it, I think engineering school is easy for some people, but it wasn't for me. So I'll say that it, yeah. it was fucked, um, but I was still working because I knew I, I, I wanted to be working and I knew I needed that experience. Mm-hmm. Well, and there is something about juggling work with school, you know, like there is some lessons to be learned doing it that way. Yes. Um, so in the construction world, unpaid internships really aren't a thing. No. And if you're being unpaid as an intern in construction, you're getting the wool pulled over your eyes. Yeah. Somebody's tricking you for some way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You should be between right now, I would say 15, 18, $20 an hour, probably 15 to 20 an hour is within the range yeah. that I would expect. But I was doing sometimes 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Jeez. So <coughs> that combined with subsistence every day, because mm-hmm. you're in management, you can make a killing. I was getting $125 a day when I was on the railroad, just in subsistence. What is subsistence? They pay you daily because you're living away from home. In addition to your hourly rate? Yeah. Oh, shoot. So you show up, you get paid $125, and then you get paid for the work you do. Shoot. Uh-huh. And is the point of that subsistence to, like, pay for where you're living or whatever yeah okay but the hotel was 60 dollars a night or whatever it was so you're and then half of it every single day yeah and then i was eating as cheap as possible so i was pocketing you know almost half that money every single day because i was a college kid mm-hmm. it's like right what now, am i gonna I do with stack this? as much away this as i can well and if you're working 80 hours it's not like man you got all weekend to just blow it baby yeah yeah you're working seven days a week yeah and you're out no break i was living in yuma arizona <laughs> 
So not the party capital of the world necessarily. No. And you're waking up at two thirty in the morning, so you get back and you're just dead tired. You go to bed because you're going to be getting up in just a few hours to go do it all again the next day. And it's hot. It's 115, 120 degrees every day. It's just, it's a harsh, <laughs> that was, that was a harsh lifestyle. And I only did it for a few months to think that people character. make their careers on that. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the railroad schedule is different. So the problem with management, people, people don't give managers on, on projects a lot of credit, but in, during the railroad, we would work nine days. So it would be nine days of crazy intense work, 24, 24 hours a day mm-hmm. around the clock. So you'd be driving pile during the day and then they'd be welding at night. So nothing would ever stop when we were working because yep. when you're on the railroad, you got to get it done. And then we would, they would give us a seven day window off. So the crews would get a week off. However, management, okay, great. Now we did all the work. Now we need to catch up on all of the management stuff that needs to happen, all the paperwork and mm-hmm. planning and making sure materials for the next nine days are coming on time. And so you still worked. You didn't really get time off. You don't get time off from a management standpoint on a lot of projects. So sure, they're not out in the field working, these these managers, but it doesn't ever turn off, especially yeah. on jobs that are 24-7. Woof. Which is a lot of projects now. Mm-hmm. Or even if they're home. But somebody's working Saturday and Sunday, you're not you're not completely present. You're still thinking about you're, work. You're kind of on you're call. You're still getting brain. phone calls. Yeah. yeah, something's probably going wrong that you're getting notified yeah. about and you're worried about. It's it's a gnarly lifestyle. And the managers, from an hourly standpoint, if you broke down, like if you go to work for one of the big companies, if you broke down what they make hourly, it's not that good money until you start to get a, a, a few years into it. Mm-hmm. And then you can start making really good money. But there's a period where you get the shit kicked out of you before you get to anywhere because of your salary. That's so you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll make $60,000, dollars $80,000 a year out of school, which is great. But for the hours you're working, you know, if you're doing 90 hours a week, it's not that much. Not that much. If I were in school and, well, before we get to that, what value are like companies getting out of an intern? Is it just cheap labor or? They're basically, the value is they're building their pipeline for management okay. typically. Got it. Okay. So all the interns, they're either going to go one of two pathways. They're either going to go um, basically like field engineer or project engineer. So field engineer is more like superintendent type route, okay. whereas you're helping to manage the work. Uh, project engineer is more so you're helping to manage the project the as a project. whole, the money, the permitting, all of the stuff that has to happen to make a project go that people don't know about. Mm-hmm. That's that pathway. Okay. Or you could just go into the office and you could go into estimating or whatever it is. Or you can cycle through all three of them. There's no real defined pathway. But it's for the company, they're basically just ensuring that they have a pipeline of fresh kids to feed into their management structure Yeah, as their managers start to either get promoted or leave. So it behooves them to make sure that you have a good experience um, or good enough experience maybe. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's one thing. I, I, I mean, kind of, but you're not baby by it. Sure. And I, I don't mean they're like, oh man, 
here's some free swag. Thanks yeah, for, yeah. you know, it's not I that. See, I see some of these internships. I'm like, I'm glad I didn't have to do that because that looks like it sucks. I was up, I was up loading, stemming on every single hole that we had drilled out and shot for a summer. It was miserable. I was busting my ass almost every single day to load every shot by hand. We didn't have a powder truck. We didn't have a skid steer for stemming. It was all by hand. It sucked. But that is the perfect experience as a kid. You don't want to be having this cushy bullshit mm. office job. I mean, if if you want to go in that direction, maybe, but I would I would be looking for a a, a company that's just going to give it to you as as the industry really gives it to everybody so you get the real real experience yeah. of what it's like to work in the industry because if you if you skip out on that you're it's just a lot harder to earn the respect and to to manage the work effectively because yeah. you just don't truly understand what the people out in the field are doing because in management the reality is you work for those people you work for the laborers you work for the operators you work for the truck drivers everybody out there you're in service to those people they're the ones if you look at a bid if you look at the line items there's no management anywhere. There's an overhead line item and you're within that overhead, but everything that's actually making that company move is labor uh, and, and um, you know, operator cost codes, truck driving cost codes, labor cost codes, people out in the field, the ones making it happen. Yeah. It, to you, is there a difference between um, if you're look, like looking for an internship um, as a college student or whatever, Versus like if you're just looking to get into the industry, is there a difference between like what you should uh, like be looking for or is to you kind of the same thing? Just like come try to connect with a company who like takes care of their people. Yeah. Find a good company and then go to work. And that's like basically what you you have nothing to lose. And I know it's the most important thing in your life at the time, but go try it out for three months. Wow. If they, if they suck, that's why you get started early. Ideally, you know, after freshman year, you're looking for an internship. Because I, I believe you should be working every summer of college. Mm-hmm. Col- like summer in college is not the time to fuck off. Fuck off during the school year. There's plenty of that. Yeah. Call it like summer. The, the thing, the problem with college is if you're, if you're getting a degree that everybody else is getting, you emerge from that program identical to everybody else. Because I, I, GPA does not matter in construction. Honors does not matter in construction. And nobody cares about like that project you did in that one no, class. They don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. That's why I love construction. Construction, all they care about is what can you do for us? How hard are you willing to work? So you get out of that degree program on the exact same level as everybody else. So the only way to differentiate yourself truly is your summers. So if you throw your summers away, you are at the bottom of the barrel. You are the exact same as you're your average. Mm-hmm. Summers are your only opportunity or working during school year. That's the only opportunity to get ahead and to really emerge from school with something to offer the industry, which is going to spring more of you into any kind of career you want. So, you know, your first summer out of college, I would be looking for an internship anywhere. You can, because it's going to be a little early, Yeah, but just get a job anywhere. And then if it's great, stay with them. If it sucks, then go to the next company. Yeah, it's, a t- it's a temporary job. Yeah. And then even if the next one's great, hey, maybe I want to go do marine construction for a while. Okay, great. I'm going to go apply for Great Wakes or, or Weeks or, hey, I live in Arizona, but maybe I want to work in Hawaii. Okay, Hawaiian contractors. Oh, Goodfellow. I'm going to apply as an intern for Goodfellow's Hawaiian division so I can live in Hawaii for the summer. How fun is that? And then by the time you graduate, but, but well before graduation, 
by September, October, you know, six months before you're, you're graduating, you're going to know, okay, I've worked for these companies. This is what I want. Here's my job offer because I have all of this experience. <coughs> I have all this stuff to offer them. Offer letter signed. Now I can just hang out the rest of the yep. rest of my senior year. Senioritis, baby. Yeah, I think just don't fail out. Yeah, you're senior. Yeah, year now you just gotta go. finish. Yeah, that's there it. you go. I think I had a, I had a signed signed offer letter in September. Graduated in May. Oh shoot! Yeah, you're sort of just like you're coming here at the end of this. I think what it has intrigued me about the way that. Both you have talked about, um, not just today, by the way, um, you know, the, your experiences during your summers in college, you were very particular about, you know, you worked for like large company, but you also worked for smaller companies and, and midsize that you kind of get to try out a handful of things with the expectation you, you'll never come back. That like, you're only going to be here for a certain amount of time. The other people know you're only going to be here for a certain amount of time. And maybe you'll come back and maybe you'll build a relationship, but also it's like, you're going to go back to school. You're going to go back into that thing. And so like, like you're saying what at worst, this is a three month job that you just, when you're done, you just kind of leave and be like, that was not for me. Yeah. But the best attitude you can have is you forget that. And you're just like, I'm just going to give this everything I got. Cause that's the only way you well, earn but everybody's you have, respect. You have the freedom of like, I'm going to pour into this, like really, really like kind of give it hell. Yeah. I think all that, it, it just allows you, it, it takes the pressure off of choosing yeah. the perfect company. And that's, that's why I think it's really interesting. Is yeah. you, it doesn't matter if it's perfect or not, no. because like there is like a certain amount of, there's a time limit on it to where it's like, oh, wow, I learned a lot. I'm not going to do that again. Or I learned a lot and that's something I'm obsessed with. I really want to try that again the next time or whatever. Yeah, there's there is, There's freedom to that, which I think is really cool. And then, okay, great. You, you know, three, three months fucking sucks. Good. Great. Like that's good for you. Yeah. What's the worst case scenario after those three months? Yeah. That you know that was either super super hard or something that maybe wasn't that difficult, but not something you really want to spend time on anymore. Or maybe it was extremely difficult and lesson uh, giving mm -hmm. in a way that was like that was not for me. Um, but like I don't know if you're not learning like lessons during those things. What's the point? You need to be learning something about like what you want. You learn something in construction. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, you, you end do. up at the right company, you're gonna be good to go, man. Yeah. Love that. That's sick. Yeah. But uh, if, if, yeah, if you, if you leave college without at least two internships, you're screwing up plain as, plain, as easy as, as easy as can be. Well, and there's also like, I mean, tons of value into, uh, professional people knowing who you are. It, yeah. Once you're trying to join the workforce, it's good to like know people who are professionals, mm -hmm. you know, and if you're doing none of that work leading up to where it's just like, well, I just go to school and now I'm going to go try to find a job. Well, there's all kinds of people in front of you who already know those people. And I guess one other note too is if I try to apply for an internship going into college or my freshman year of college, most everybody would, no, we only, we only, you know, incoming juniors or seniors. Okay. All right. That's fine. I'm just going to go get a job as a laborer because every fucking company out there needs laborers right now. Let me tell you. So just go get a job at your local construction company. Go bust your ass for a summer. Then the next summer comes around. You're going to look for internships. You can have a really educated conversation with all the recruiters saying, yeah, I was just a laborer for three months. And yeah, I learned how to lay pipe and run a front end loader and, and dig with an excavator and, and pothole for utilities or whatever it is. You're going to be dropping that knowledge. Now you're ahead of everybody else applying for that position. And that's going to give you the opportunity to have whatever internship you want mm -hmm. those later years. Yeah.
So, okay, great. You can't find an internship. I guarantee you just can work. find, yeah, just go get a job somewhere. Just go get a job. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be an internship. Just get a fucking job. You just need field experience. Just field experience. Field it. You're going to get enough office when you graduate. Yeah. Stay out in the field as long as you can, because that's going to serve you far, far better than sitting in the office all summer. I, I promise you. I promise you. You Did, don't want to skip out on the field experience. If you're somebody who, say, you hit your freshman year and you're like, you know, like you said, unable to get an internship because they only take older, older students, whatever, and you go get a job like as a laborer with a local construction company, is it, is that, mm, do you owe them the conversation? I'm going back to school at the end of the summer. Like, is, I just am curious, like, how many companies are having people come to the office or having conversations, being like, well, we just want somebody who can stay? There'll be a little bit of that. But again, if you show up as just a hungry young person willing to work, then they get three months of yeah. production. If, if, if you're not finding a job, you're, you're just not doing it right, yeah. right now. Everybody needs people. And so if you're honest with them, yeah, I need to go back. They're still going to bring you on. And even if it's, if it's a lot of these people have built their whole lives on the construction industry, they want to give back. So a lot of times you just need to get to the right person. I always would talk to the owners, you know, senior leadership of the business. They just want to give back. If it's, hey, I can invest in this young person. And so maybe they stick with me, but maybe they just go out into the industry. I'm doing my part. I'm still doing my part. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. There's a lot of people that want to teach and invest in young people, regardless of if they're going to be in their business or not. Yeah. So look out those, seek those opportunities. I can call up 50 construction business owners right now that I know well. Would you hire a kid if he walked into your office, she walked in your office tomorrow, said, I'm willing to work for three months, I'm going to school. 50 of them. 50 out of 50 would say, yeah, no question. That's awesome. Thanks for answering that. Um, I, I just, I find the intern, like, I don't want to say culture, but just the, uh, the way that I think some people have to take internships as like, it's almost like this indentured slave where it's like, well, I'm just going to give up a chunk of my life and I'm, I'm getting experience and no money out of it. And I'm going to be treated like shit the whole time. And, I think there's like a, there are negative versions of that, but I, I find what's uh, really encouraging to me is that there seems to be less and less of those in general, but especially um, in the dirt world. Treat it as a two-way street. All of these kids, they, 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 they're just like, I just need to give to the company and the company expects everything. Get as much as you can from the company. Get as much experience as you can. Yeah. Get as, as many connections. Use the time wisely. And do your best, you know, try to make that company the most money you possibly can, but take what you need. If you earn it, assuming you earn it, take what you need. It should be a two-way transaction. So you leave at the end of the year. If you stay great, if you don't, Hey, I got a lot of great experience. I I, I was hungry. I learned a lot. I talked to a lot of great people. I can go now and take that to the next chapter. That's fantastic too, but don't treat it as this one way. I just need to give, give, give. You can take two Mm -hmm. and you should be taking. That's the point is they get X, you get Y. It works out both ways for both parties. It's a win-win in theory. That's awesome. Thanks for talking about that. I appreciate it. Uh, that's interns, everybody. Uh, I got two questions for the Dirt Talk podcast. Let's go. Oh, it's still in questions too. I got questions. Jeez. Oh, we're looking good. We'll probably cut out a little bit on the top. Um, maybe we could just do one question actually. Yeah, maybe. That's fine. Uh, this is from Dale from Australia. Says, I'm reaching out as I recently purchased a small crushing company, which I was previously operations manager. What's your advice on company logos on equipment? 
I have this theory that I want to fly below the radar so I don't have any company logos on my equipment right now. I'm scared of competition knowing where I'm working as I'm not as established yet to compete with them. See, I would go in the complete opposite direction. I'd put logos on everything. I'd brand everything very obnoxiously mm -hmm. because the funny thing is, so Randy Blunt uh, of Blunt Contracting, he painted his whole fleet gray and he's well known for it. He was, his company was bought by a company many times the size of his company, many times the size. And people thought, were surprised about it because they thought they were much smaller than his company. From just painting his company, painting his equipment gray. Mm -hmm. They don't have tons of equipment, but you see it everywhere because it's so noticeable. You're like, these guys are everywhere. It's hard. It's You don't just drive past a gray excavator and not register it. You always register it. You're like, oh, that's another blunt site. But they don't have that. They're not, they're not enormous, mm -hmm. but it makes them seem enormous. So it's almost the other way around. It somewhat messes with your competitors a little bit because it makes you seem like you're everywhere. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Mm -hmm. So I think that is one component of it makes you seem a lot bigger than you really are. Mm. And people don't need to believe that you're actually competitive. It's, you know, well, people, you don't actually need to be, you know, pound for pound. They just need to believe you're competitive. They just yeah. need to believe you're big. So that helps you basically get people thinking and talking. People, I think the next generation, they want to work for a good looking company with good looking branding. I want to be getting into a machine that's that's well-branded, that's well-represented. I'm probably going to take better care of that machine if it's looking good, if it's if it's my company, you yeah. know, my machine. I'm going to I'm going to want to wear my company apparel. I'm going to want to rep the the company that I work for. I'm proud of that. I'm going to want to drive home a company truck cuz yeah, hey, I work for this company and I'm pretty stoked about it. And then all your competitors as your guys are driving home in their pickup trucks. They're seeing damn these guys are everywhere but you're not so i don't see i i understand the logic to not branding stuff but i think it's a huge error in today's world to not brand things mm -hmm. huge error and if i had a construction company if i had just bought a crushing company that would be one of my first things i would be branding everything very obnoxiously so that everybody's like they, they just can't miss you can't miss you yeah you're just well i think you know like you're saying a lot of machinery can kind of run together in your head if, you know, just as you're driving down the road, like you just see a lot of just cat equipment or whatever. But if they're like you're saying, if it's gray, you catalog that differently in your brain. And so I, I when I read this question, I have a lot less uh, juice to answer. But like all I can think of is put that logo on everything. Yeah, like, I, I be well, more visible. And and okay, a customer hires you. You show up with really good looking equipment that's just badass. They're going to be feeling good. They're going to be great. Like, they I must hired be the right, serious. Yeah, I hired the right contractor. Man, mm -hmm. these guys are a big deal. And then that that's just representative of your work. If you put that much time and energy and detail into 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 caring for your image, you're going to care for your work as well. And that sets the tone for 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 not just your customers but your people. Like I said, it's 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 just wins all the way around. Mm -hmm. Every time I've seen it done, it works out really well. It's not like this has never been done before. I go to Europe, which is a decade or two beyond everybody else, yeah. it seems like, especially Switzerland. Everything is branded. Everything is branded. Everything. Yep. Custom painted. Every machine is touched in some way. It's like a culture over there. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. 
it's because it works. It's because there are so many benefits to it that they can't afford not to do it anymore. If they're ahead of everybody else, if everybody's doing it over there, there's probably some merit to it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, I love custom painted equipment. It just looks awesome. It looks cool. And you don't even need to ask what, what, what job site is that? You go buy an Eberhard job site. They have the, the it's kind of like a seafoam green, like a teal, yeah. turquoise, and then a highlighter yellow. I don't have to say, what, what company is that? I just know, oh, yeah, that's Eberhard. There's Eberhard. There's Eberhard. There's a Reger. There's Implenia. Like, I, I already know all of the companies in, Europe, I, in Switzerland. I already know all their paint schemes. I just need to go by their job site. I don't even need to look at the sign. I can tell you what job site that is. Who's doing and there's that. a ton of value t- to that sort of recognition. Ton of value to that. Mm-hmm. A ton of value. That's awesome. Cool. Well, Dale, there you go. That's exciting. Uh, I think that is it for the Monday Dirt Talk podcast. Excellent. You're there. Yeah, and it, the whole branding thing, it, it really annoys me. It's like you buy an excavator and Caterpillar, Komatsu, or Tachi, whoever the hell it is, they all do this. They put their branding all over the damn thing. That'd be the first thing I'd do. Get all that shit off. I'm not advertising for you guys. This is my machine. I'm going to do whatever no I want. No free ads. With it. But it's, it's I sh- you should be advertising your company. You should be putting yeah. your company name on there. Everybody knows a Cat 349, a Cat 349. I don't need it to say Cat on the side to know it's a 349. So let's put my company on there instead. Or it drives me nuts when you see the 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 heavy equipment manufacturer, their, their logo, like front and center, huge lettering on the counterweight. And then the actual company that runs the machine, like a little bit on the bottom. Mm-hmm. It drives me nuts. Rip the damn sticker off. Put your name on the counterweight. That's a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Huge missed opportunity for people to know where you're working, um, for your customers to say, wow, these are good looking machines. I am super stoked to have this company on my job site. For your operator getting into that machine every day, man, this machine looks so good. I'm going to take extra care of it. I'm going to take pride in what I do. It's not. It's not just nonsense. Mm-hmm. All these people think it's just nonsense. Everybody's so fixated on production and cost and labor hours, whatever it is, they're, they're missing where the world is going. This is part of where the world is going. Yeah. Amen, brother. That's it. Brother. Brother. Cool. Uh, well, that is uh, the Dirt Talk Podcast Monday edition. Great. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you have questions or comments, send them on to dirttalkbillet.com. And with that, we'll see you on the next episode. Stay dirty.